Hello, friend. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, and I'm going to be talking about Mr. Robot Season 4, Episode 3. It's called 403 Forbidden. So, full spoilers for the episode, of course. And we mentioned this last week, but Connor is on vacation, which is why I'm on my own this week. So, uh, flying solo, but I have watched the episode twice. I've got my notes. I'm going to dig through it. Uh, Connor will be back next week. Uh, I'm sure he's going to prioritize Mr. Robot when he gets back, because he gets back a couple of days before the next episode, and there might have been a concern that he would struggle to fit in watching the last one and then, you know, being on time for the new one, but I've got a feeling he's going to prioritize Mr. Robot, because it's kind of the highlight of the week. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to dive into it. Uh, very eventful episode in a couple of different ways. We started off in 1982, um an IBM business meeting uh, with a young Zhang and what turns out to be his uh, his lover, his his boyfriend or, or whatever you want to call it. And we get this this backstory that takes place over two flashbacks that happen. I, I, I honestly almost thought it was going to be a, a full flashback episode. I thought it was going to be all set in the 80s uh, or whatever. Of course, it didn't last the whole episode, but it was a significant portion of the first like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, there was obviously a scene in the present day in between the two flashbacks, but they were pretty lengthy. And, you know, by the time they were done, I think there was maybe like 30 minutes of runtime left. Because, you know, I'm watching this on Amazon Prime, so there's no ads. Um, so it was, li- I think, literally about 30 minutes left of the episode by the time all this flashback stuff was done. Uh, and that is not a complaint because it was very compelling and interesting and extremely well directed as it typically tends to be on the show. Because Sam Esmail is, of course, directing, I think, every episode. He definitely directed this one because I was looking for his name. Um, I could probably check that, but so far he's directed all the episodes. Uh, so, it's 1982, and there's a bit of humour here where Zhang and... I actually got a little bit confused here for a second because the other guy's name is also Zhang. Um, uh, obviously they've got different other names, but like he was you know, he was director Zhang. And, uh, or Zhang, who I'll, I'll probably refer to as White Rose from here on out just to avoid confusing. Uh, White Rose was translating, he's a translator here for this business meeting, and the humour came from him kind of, um, like them having a secret conversation in Mandarin uh, in front of these Americans w- without letting them know what they're talking about. And, you know, the first couple of things, it was just, oh, what do you want to have for lunch tonight? And then it became kind of more romantic, where they're talking about how they want to be together, and they're, they're doing this in front of these other people who can't understand them. And it was very, very entertaining. And we're back at the hotel afterwards. There's a couple of things on the TV to give you the the time period. The first thing is Boy George, which maybe kind of fits with their their relationship a little bit. The idea of them being gay in this in this 80s world. And a big theme of their scenes here is how they want to come and live in America because they want to uh, be able to live as a couple. And they can't do that in China. So they're, they're hoping that uh, White Rose will become this uh this ambassador and that'll mean they can move here and they'll both get to live here and that's what they're, they're hoping uh but yeah so there was boy george on the tv and then later on when it comes back uh the thing there's a commercial for the thing playing which is great because it's a fantastic movie it's like top 10 horror movies of all time uh sam esmail has good taste as is proven by all the back to the future references uh throughout the thing um one thing i wanted to mention here in the the cinematography is so the the scene here that they're sitting doing like a, a little quiz in a magazine or something like that and they're kind of bonding and being sweet with each other obviously it's all subtitled and uh we established that uh this this director zhang has a watch uh that, that white rose makes a comment about and 
we see later on a transition to uh you know Urzang, uh, white was wearing that watch in present day he's kept that watch from him in some capacity but uh we we see him having to leave he's like hey oh we've got we have to go we've got drinks with these uh you know diplomats or whoever it is uh down the bar uh, down the lobby of the hotel in the bar and white rose doesn't want to go white rose says no you go do that i'll do some paperwork and he's kind of uh, been a little bit cagey about you know not wanting to go um and he's trying to be nice to him and He's, you know, he's trying to, you know, and you know, director Zhang's trying to be nice to him and sort of convince him, no, come, come, uh, it won't take too long. Uh, but what I wanted to mention here is during this moment before he leaves, where they're, they're sitting over, it's kind of at the couches, but they stand up. Uh, director Zhang, there's this, there's this, I think it's a clock maybe on the wall, or maybe it wasn't, a, maybe it wasn't a clock, maybe it was just a, just, just a piece of, you know, a decoration. But um, it was like a peacock. And what I really annoyed about it is it was framed perfectly. They had him standing in the perfect position so that it was like, it was almost like a over-the-top, like, 80s mohawk around his head. Like, <laughs> maybe the obvious read here is it's just showing that because of who they are and because of the relationship, they're kind of rebels of their time. Um, because, obviously, the punks with mohawks are kind of seen as the rebellious uh, portion of the, of, of, of the 80s, right? Um, but I couldn't help but just not notice that it looked like a mohawk around his head. Just all these spikes. And I think it was like a peacock. I'm pretty sure when you seen this in the middle of it, there was like a like sort of head and whatever. It was, it was It was this sort of fancy circular peacock design, but it, it went right around his head perfectly in this profile shot. And it looked like a mohawk. It was, I don't know, I, I wanted to mention it, alright? Sometimes this is what my eyes notice when I'm, when I'm watching Mr. Robot. Um, but so he goes out there's a bit of a time lapse uh, showing how much time has passed at the window in the hallway and then he comes back and he's clearly a little bit drunk and he's he's uh, got his jacket off and he's coming back in and we get this moment which is kind of this maybe the sweetest moment these two have as a couple where White Rose reveals uh, I'll say herself as White Rose and you know the light's off and she's in silhouette and kind of stands up and explains that this, this dress belonged to her mother and I will, I will mention the music here is beautiful. And I think what's interesting about this is that White Rose uh, slash Zhang is a character or characters. Because uh, I will say this is the one This is the one time it's felt a little bit more like a traditional uh, person. And, and that, you know, because I've always said that this has not came across to me as a, as a translate character because I've always felt that Zhang was more interested in being both people. Like, he actually liked having two lives and living out both versions of himself. Uh, and I feel like this this, this, this was maybe the, the first time where, you know, when she says, you know, I'm a woman, I, that I felt like, oh, maybe this is a bit more traditional than I thought. This is a, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe maybe not, but it just, it, was, it came across to me a little bit more like that in this case. But uh, she reveals herself as White Rose to him, and he... You know, and he, he starts a sentence where he's like, oh, you, you're... And he's like, yes. And she's like, yes, I'm a woman. And he's like, no, I was going to say beautiful. And I knew he was going to say that. Like, the, the build-up to... The, the pause and then the build-up, it was like, no, he's going to accept this and he's going to be, uh, you know, understanding. He's going to be affectionate about it. And it's going to be a sweet moment for them. Um, and it's when they're kissing that the, the camera goes into the watch and pulls out on the watch now in present day and, you know, in, in White Rose. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to say White Rose now because in present day we do want to distinguish between White Rose as White Rose and White Rose as Zhang. Uh, just to make clear who we're talking about here and as Zhang. Um, but uh, great transition. I thought that the scene, like I said, the music was beautiful. And I think it's impressive that a character, and I was going to make this point a minute ago, uh, who's been so villainous and been so scary in this show 
and it makes us feel for him for a little bit. It makes us feel uh, for for this relationship, and it makes us care about it. And I think, obviously, as soon as I realized this was a flashback for for White Rose, uh, you know, early on during the the first business meeting, I, I immediately thought to myself, "This is going to end badly." Like whatever motivates White Rose to be what White Rose is, or at the very least. Uh, that vicious edge is probably going to be inspired by however this relationship ends uh, probably very badly and I didn't necessarily think I was going to get it in the very next scene with them uh, after we could have this present day stuff but I had that foreboding feeling and it made me kind of care it made me kind of sympathetic and I don't think I've ever felt sympathetic towards White Rose before uh, I think it's a, a, a real talent to make your villain who's been a villain for a long time suddenly a little bit more sympathetic and it's not that I'm, I'm in any way rooting for White Rose now, I'm not. I'm fully on Team Elliot and Team Everyone Else uh, against the Dark Army and White Rose, but uh, good job. Good good writing, good direction. Uh, so Zhang in present day is concerned about... Uh, or sorry, Zhang's assistant's concerned about the, the, the possibility that Elliot is up to something. Uh, noting the whole thing with the, the train in the first episode and that, that contact disappearing, uh, suggesting that Elliot may have had something to do with it and Zhang's feeling the pressure here and he's kind of like look fine put more surveillance on him uh, let's not give Price what he wants then because she's also worried that Price's things may be a little bit coincidental a bit too coincidental that it's happening right around the time that Elliot might be up to something so you know they're kind of on the ball they're kind of predicting what might be happening and what's key here before it cuts back to the flashback it, what it cuts back on is her saying uh you know, this plan we're doing just requires patience, she, and specifically requires patience, and that kind of is when we, it's almost, a, if, you, if anyone watched Lost where you got the vroom and it went to the flashback, it almost felt like that <laughs> when she said that uh, and we're at this wedding uh, and uh, and young young White Rose again, I'm just calling him White Rose in this context to differentiate between him and the other guy who's also named Zhang, I, I didn't catch the other guy's first name uh or last name, whatever one. I, I get confused sometimes with uh, Asian names because they say them the other way round as to which one's the, you know, the 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 surname and not the surname. You know what I mean? Anyway, so turns out Director Zhang is not is refused to come out of his uh where he's, he's I say dressing room. It's more of a ballroom that he just happens to be dressing in the corner of, and. He comes in and, uh, you know, White Rose comes in and it's like, oh, you got my gift. And he's like, oh, yeah, the funeral flower. Uh, and it's these flowers in the middle of the, the table, uh, which are, are notable for later. And I'm, only, I'm going to bring it up in a minute because of the direction. But I do want to really, uh, just the, the foreshadowing there of the word funeral uh, in this scene, because it's going to end very badly, uh, like I was kind of getting at. Uh, but we find out that White Rose has been offered Minister of State Security. And that's kind of, that kind of lines up with what we heard from Price at the start of the last episode about him being uh, in that position when the Berlin Wall came down. So things are just lining up here. But, and this is kind of changing their plans because he, Director Zhang has been forced to marry a woman and his dad's making him do this and he doesn't want to. And it's this kind of heartbreaking scene where he's like, no, I want us to be together. I want us to be who we are and not have to live in hiding. And White Rose has to kind of break it to him that he's got this job offer and he can't turn it down. It's kind of important. And this is just, you know, the... the this is just going to require some patience, you know. I, you know, I trusted you with the, who I am. I, I revealed everything, and I'm asking you to be patient and trust me. And so this lines up, of course, with that line that led into the scene. And the director Zhang says, "If someone asks for patience, they're really just asking for surrender." 
And that kind of ties back into what present-day Zhang is going to say uh, to his assistant when we cut back. Uh, but that was a, a neat moment. And he tries to, you know, White Rose tries to make him promise and seems to maybe be convincing him. But as White Rose is leaving, Director Zhang picks up a knife and says the world will never be good enough and slits his own throat. And this shot, I want to talk about this shot because this shot was beautiful. Where after he, because the blood spurts out, it's kind of a wide shot. And the camera kind of starts to come in closer but goes up and over uh, uh, and around the table. So what's beautiful about this shot that I really like the, the touch, obviously White Rose comes running in to check on him. But as we go around the table on the other side of the flowers, the perfectly white flowers on the other side are red. But we don't see that before the camera goes around them. We just see the, 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 the still white side that's not been touched by the blood but we go around the other side and there's blood and i think what's really interesting about a, a lot of this stuff in terms of thematics with with white rose as a character is some of the key things we're dealing with here is the idea of wanting to make the world a better place and an image that white rose you know wants one where maybe white rose and the love of her life could have been together kind of thing right and the idea of you know being motivated because of what, what the world the way it was did did to director Zhang. Or on top of that, just this idea of obsessing with time, it comes from this watch, perhaps in some small way, right? Uh, we're constantly focused on this watch and appointments. And it's interesting that White Rose in these flashbacks was the one who wasn't who was like, no, let's not go to the meeting, let's not care about you know things. But director Zhang's got this watch on with these timers and it keeps beeping at him saying, hey, it's time to do this thing, it's time to and we've seen how White Rose is obsessed with time. So there's so many like facets of White Rose's character that are kinda just sprinkled in here in an origin kind of way uh, in what White Rose has become. And it's interesting to give White Rose this this little bit of depth at this point in the show. Now that we're really getting to the fight with White Rose in, in a way that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, obviously, I love that White Rose was introduced way back early in Season 1 and it's been kind of a bubbling thing that's been getting stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the entire show, so... Really good. Uh, so we come back and you know, we come back at the exact moment we left, and Zhang and Zhang says, "No, wait. Actually, give Price what he wants." And he says that they may be planning something, but the best way to force them into a mistake, instead of like trying to second guess anything, is to just actually do it. Do, let's just do this quicker than they would ever have expected, and that will hopefully make them make a mistake. Rather than wait for them to make a mistake, let's force them into one by just doing it as quickly as possible, because they may not be ready. So he's like, hey, let's get this meeting with the Delos, not Delos, sorry, Delos is Westworld, Deus, the Deus group, tomorrow. Let's get that done tomorrow. And she's like, what? I can't get all the world leaders here in the same room in 24 hours. And he's like, nah, do it. Uh, and she's like, what about CEO of Evil Corp? We, we don't have anyone for that. And he's like, Wellick, Tyrell Wellick, he'll do it. Uh, he'll say yes. And of course, Tyrell, you know, as the previously on reminded me, um, has a plan with Mr. Robot and Elliot to... Uh, to try and take them down from from the inside, so it's something he's been waiting on. It doesn't really come back into play, of course, until the very end of the episode. But uh, important stuff there. So no, uh, so yeah, this was the opening fifteen minutes, and it was pretty much fantastic. The direction was flawless. It was sympathetic in ways that I I would not have expected to be able to pull off with a character like White Rose, and gave us some depth depth you know that this episode flew in like the, the, the minutes flew by like i i was like in shock when the credits rolled i was like oh wait what it's already over no no so yeah uh so then we do eventually get to some present day elliot stuff uh 
with um, Elliot and Mr. Robot going through the street. Uh, obviously, the big thing here that happens is when he runs out of Krista, but I will mention that before this, there, there's a running theme with the narration in this episode, which is still Mr. Robot narrating, still Christian Slayer, is he's talking about Russian roulette and how your life changes when you play that game, and if you hear that click because you know you've just cheated death, you know, because you, you, you could have killed yourself, but you didn't because you, you, you got lucky and the chamber was empty and how he's he's saying and i, I just i like this stuff because it was just it was very nice nice bit of writing he's talking about how uh you know i think we're running out of empty chambers you know because again the more you play the game the less likely you're going to survive and when is the lock going to run out uh so it was, it was a nice little bit of little speech but he runs into krista i'm not seeing krista yet this season and this was again another phenomenal little scene because there's so much history between these two characters now and krista is scared and she has to like say to Elliot, like, I don't want to see you anymore. I've sent you a letter and I'm making it very clear that I can't treat you anymore. Because uh, Elliot keeps trying to say that he's he's doing what she always advised him to do. That she's ta- that he's talking to Mr. Robot, that he's he's getting better and he's making some progress. And you feel really bad at the end of the scene because, and I think she does too, even though she is scared of him. Because she says, I don't feel safe around you. And obviously the way he reacts to this is a big plot point for later, but... You do feel bad just in the moment because it's because he says I didn't I didn't want you to treat me again I just wanted you to know that you helped me, and he he walks off and you feel kind of like oh and don't get me wrong she's right to be scared like what she suspects that he was involved in he was involved in <laughs> you know the whole ticket down of the ecor building the servers and all that like he was involved in that stuff, uh, well Mr Robot was Elliot was tangential I mean I guess it depends how you define it given the different characters, but really really enjoyed that stuff uh enjoyed this scene and obviously i immediately worried because it meant okay krista's not just going to be gone now for good and obviously we get later as to how she's going to fit back into things in a way that i am not looking forward to because this show has a way of pulling my heart out and you know squishing it in its hands with anyone who's remotely likable shayla angela others (laughs) I'm sure there's been more. Those are the two that spring to mind. Oh, dear. Um, and, of course, there is a, a shifty-looking dude at the end of this scene who is seemingly following Elliot and witnessed some of this. Uh, more on him later, but uh, mention it for all the same. Uh, so then we got you all safe, and uh, Darlene's there, and they're working on looking at what, how they're going to like you know do this attack on the bank. And they found this Olivia, uh, this Olivia character who was the who was Susan's contact at Cyprus National Bank. So she actually works at the bank. She was the other end of that that uh, equation. And unfortunately, they can't hack her remotely. She's got like a crypt key on her that she has all time. So it has to be a, a local like you know someone has to like actually go and break in and get the crypt key and um and so on. So and it turns out later, of course, that she always has it on her, which leads to more plot um so yeah so interesting things in this scene uh is that darlene was supposed to be on on this part of the job is getting into the the, the bank you know whoever works at the bank getting into their details and, and hacking that stuff but as soon as they find out it's a physical thing where they have to go and do it manually uh he changes his mind says no you stay here and you know get the cell phone towers or whatever and get ready for the code i'll go and do the the and break into her apartment and she basically stands the ground and says no you kidding me i ain't doing it uh, no i am doing it rather <laughs> you know i ain't doing what you tell me to uh, i'm bored here i'm going to go and so there's a, there's a great thing here and this leads to a bit of speculation because 
Elliot says to Mr. Robot, can you try and talk some sense into her? And I love this. I love because we've had this thing before where, and even in episode one of this season where it switched between them, where Elliot rolled his eyes and Mr. Robot came walking, Mr. Robot came walking out of the scene to talk to her. Again, this was more of a voluntary thing where Elliot says, can you talk to her, please? So Mr. Robot goes and talks to her. And I love this idea of like, it's still obviously the same person from Darlene's perspective, but we were seeing this switch. And he tries to talk sense into her and she's like, nope, don't care. And here's where I'm going to get a bit speculative because did we see the third character in this scene? Because when she walks past Mr. Robot and goes past, almost past Elliot, Elliot grabs her. And obviously we're still seeing Elliot. And I think this is one of the things that make, make this a very interesting show to rewatch. If, if, we're, if we're indeed confirmed to have had this third character all along. If it's someone who actually doesn't change appearance. Like if we still, if we still see Elliot... Right? Unlike Mr. Robot, there's not a separate body. Uh, from our perspective, we just always see Elliot, even when it's this third person. Uh, and the reason why I'm speculating that is because his demeanor completely changes, where he grabs her really tight and she says, you're hurting me, and he's like, I know. And he's like, you're not going. And she's like, you know, I thought we were better after yesterday, but you're never going to change, are you? And he's like, nope. And he leaves. And it's a very cold Elliot. And you could just play this off as that he is... This is this is Elliot just getting sterner. This is Elliot just sticking to his guns more because of how serious the situation is. But there is an argument here, I think, to say that this is a third personality. That this is a more because if you remember what Darlene said about the third one uh, when she said that, oh, you told me that it wouldn't be a problem. It does kind of sound like this cold, confident version, maybe, right? Um, so I may be barking up the wrong tree here, but it, now that I've got this in my head after last week's episode, and I will mention. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were linking and talking about uh, the video or the, the clip from, I think it's like episode four or five of season one, the episode where Elliot is sort of out of it the, the whole time and he's like going through all these dream sequences. And there's a scene with Angela where Angela's kind of talking about this possible third personality, especially in hindsight now that we've, well, you know, we've actually had it confirmed as a third one. Um, worth checking out that clip um, and go. I'm actually, I meant to actually watch it again right before I did this, just so I could talk about it more, and I didn't. Um, but I'm going to try and make a point of doing that before next week's review, just to sort of dissect that scene a little bit closer. Um, I'm going to go back and rewatch that. Um, honestly, I'm half tempted to try and rewatch the whole show as the as the final season's running. Like try and rewatch seasons one through three before we get to the end, uh, for the sake of, you know full perspective and, and whatnot and everything being refreshed in my head uh, and also just with this this knowledge of a third personality like watching the whole thing again with that knowledge is kind of tantalizing as a prospect but anyway so uh, we got to Olivia's apartment obviously Mr. Robot's with Elliot um, at all times here uh, so uh, the narration's talking about someone who's lost everyone, you know, Mr. Robot saying, what do you call that? You know, he's not just an orphan, he's not just a widower or anything like that, he's lost everyone, he's completely on his own, is he just a time bomb? Uh, but he also says that he's blocking everyone, which is thematically relevant for where the episode is going. This idea that he thinks it may be easier if he never actually has to let anyone in and never has to open up to anyone. Uh, it'll be easier because then he won't care when something happens, you know, because he's lost too many people, he's lost Angela, he's lost, he's lost Shayla, he, he lost them... Um, um oh my god the two characters oh the, the frame for the the all safe job um it's been too long since season three i can't remember the names but like you know he's lost a lot of people and they've hurt him dearly and hell losing them is going to come back up later as well uh when he starts when he does eventually open up uh in a, in a way so 
Yeah, I, I, so they, they find a couple of details here. There's a, there's, a, there's a locked drawer that's had a laptop in it, the company laptop, but they can't get into it without a crypt key. Uh, Elliot finds a bottle of Oxy in, in the bathroom, so that maybe gives us some details for later. Um, obviously, the funny scene here was uh, Mr. Robot looking at her personal laptop, and she's going on a date with a guy called Evan, and... Mr. Robot is just complaining that he's found out too much about this Evan character, and he's talking about how how Evan's this influencer, snowboarding douchebag, or, or whatever. And he gets to the end of it, he's like, classic Evan, and he just closes the laptop. And this was a funny little joke, but I, I do want to point out here, there was a great tweet. Someone named Sam on on Twitter uh, tweeted at Sam Esmail, Sorry, not someone named Sam. Someone named Evan. Sorry, this makes more sense. Someone named Evan tweeted at Sam Esmail saying, well, Sam's a stupid name too. Obviously, I mean, probably just joking, like not being serious, but just jokingly saying Sam's a stupid name too, being, being you know, offended that Evan, the name Evan was made fun of. And Sam just quote tweeted it saying, classic Evan. And that really made me laugh. But Sam Esmail sometimes has got uh, some top Twitter, Twitter banner. Um, but uh, also, let's not forget uh, the the alias that Ellis, Elliot uses is also Sam uh, Sam Spiel Sam something like that. Um, you can see it on his laptop in this episode actually, because when he pulls out the uh, the business laptop, he has his own laptop uh, that he starts swapping the USB stick around. But um, from this point, Mister Robot's like, well, we're going to have to wait, and you know, we'll put we'll do a fish and get our details that way, or we'll wait until. She logs in, and Elliot points out, Elliot's very frustrated, he wants to get things moving. They are on a tight deadline, they don't even know that they've only got 24 hours yet, they, they think they've got, you know, a few, you know, a week or whatever. Uh, but he's like, no, it's like tomorrow's Christmas Day, so it's Christmas Eve at the time of this episode. And she's not going to log in anytime soon, it's the holidays, she's not going to have a reason to for at least a few days. So we have to do something else. And what I really liked about the, the setup of this shot is that it actually uh, flips one of the big shots from early season two. If you remember early season two at the start of the prison stuff, there was a shot where Mr. Robot was standing up and Elliot was sitting in the bed and he had a gun to Elliot's head. This actually flips that shot. Obviously, there's no gun, but Elliot's the one standing up and Mr. Robot's the one sitting on the bed. And what's interesting about this is that the flipped positions also flip the extreme and more you know, normal uh, morality values here. And what I mean by that is that back, back then in season two, Mr. Robot was trying to con- convince Elliot to be more uh, more of an activist, more extreme, and do more things and, and hack and fight and not, not play by the rules. And what's interesting here is that we've flipped it, and even though he's not outright saying it, it very much, Elliot is very much implying that we have to do something to get this information. And Mr. Robot's on the bed offering all of the all of the kind of the normal solutions that they would normally employ that wouldn't put anyone in danger that would be completely safe and they they can do kind of reliably and and sensibly and Elliot doesn't seem to want to hear any of it he's the one who's becoming more extreme they've kind of flipped their their stances on kind of that kind of thing or at the very least Elliot's shot so far past Mr. Robot that uh, now he looks like the sensible one although I, I do wonder if uh Mr. Robot himself, you know, because of what happened in season three and how they were kind of tricked with the, uh, the, uh, you know, the attack on the servers and stuff. Like, I wonder if he, you know, he has actually mellowed and it's maybe a sign of Elliot's, like, subconscious kind of, like, the imbalance and how, like, one personality is kind of swapped with the other one and, and so there's, there's things to maybe read into there. 
Um, but they go to uh, the bar where she's on her, her blind date. Well, I say blind date. It's just like it's an okay cupid like date uh, on Christmas Eve, which that's uh, actually quite funny to me. I, I can't imagine people setting up a, a date like that on Christmas Eve. You feel like most people would have other things to do. I mean, obviously, it's it's clear that Olivia doesn't. Um, I, I guess I guess it's like you, you kind of bond because you're both kind of you're people with with different. I don't know, not <laughs> less traditional lives because you don't have something to do on Christmas Eve. Um, but they go to the bar, and uh, again, Elliot's more extreme. Where you know they're seeing her sit there, and Mister Robot's like, "Hey, we can do this. We can try that." And Elliot's like, "No, we already own her." That was that was the key line of dialogue that I I, I wrote down is that she he says, uh, "We don't have to do any of that because we already own her." That line is so dark. Because um, he wants to blackmail her, he wants to use the information uh, because it's specifically in her uh, company clause. Uh, she gets tested for drugs, and if she's ever like found to be using, she will lose the co-custody of her child uh, because she's a single mom. And he wants to use that. He wants to go and use that in a very cold and manipulative way. Uh, and Mister Robot's like, hey, hey, now how about we just try talking to her and try like you know keep her distracted maybe maybe chat her up a little bit and you know, grab the key later because we see the usb key thing on her on her bag it's kind of dangling off of it like a keychain and you know elliot goes over there to talk to her and he just kind of freezes and it's kind of awkward and what's amazing about it is mr robot steps in and starts being very charming and starts saying hey i noticed you got stood up i you know i wanted to be, be nice and say hey not all of us are dishbags he's awful i want to apologize on behalf of this idiot and Sure enough, it works just enough to keep her sitting there, and then Mr. Robot's like, you're up, Elliot. <laughs> like, uh, so it kind of puts Elliot on this weird kind of half date, and it's a really funny scene. It's, it's, I mean, it goes really dark from Elliot wanting to do something severe, and be, like I say, being very cold in a way that, you know, makes us not want to root for him. He's going off this sort of darker edge, and Mr. Robot's the one, again, who reels him in. And it's almost like at any point, if Elliot needs to be pushed in one direction, Mr. Robot's there to pull him in that other way. And, and you know, so very, very interesting. Um, so we cut away uh, as this, this scene's playing out to uh, a, a small restaurant, a and it's a kitchen, and it's Vera, who we, of course, know about now. And he's, he's, you know, he's putting drugs and chickens and giving them to kids who are going to, who are basically just acting as little mules to, you know, get them wherever they're going. And the guy comes in, who we saw earlier in the Krista scene, and Vera's like, okay, what you got for me? What did you see? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Why are we even looking after this guy? Like, what the hell? And what was very interesting about this for me is Vera saying, "I, you know, because the guy says, why don't I just put a gun to his head and make him give us what you want from him? And Vera, and this is fast, because Vera's, you know, a vicious guy, and we see that in this very scene, because by the end of the scene, he shoots this guy for being incompetent. Uh... But he, he's like, no, I don't want Elliot to be my prisoner. I want him to be my partner. He's a visionary. He's not going to work like he's not going to like work to his full potential if he's under threat all the time. I want him to be by my side and and you know, because because as he says, he wants to make New York his kingdom and he's an architect. And Elliot would be that architect, and that's what he's hoping to do. So. So that was a fascinating little bit of thing, and he he keeps asking. He's like, "Oh, there was this woman there," and he's like, "What woman? What did what did they talk about? The, the, how did he look? He's like, did you at least get some photos?" And he did, and he's looking at the photos, and he's like asking him about them, and the guy really has nothing to say. He's he's not really saying anything about anything, and this little kid comes in. The next kid who's there, obviously, to get drugs. Uh, Vera's like, "Hey, you, 
what do you see in this photo? And the kid's like, oh, he looks upset, like when my mum yells at me. And I know it's like, I've, I, I know I've done something wrong, so I feel really bad. And it's very opposite in a minute. Uh, like, it's not, he, you know, this woman, you know, Chris does hurt him, but not just like, a, a, you know, a, a dull pain. This was like a knife to the heart pain. Like, he looks absolutely devastated by how he's made her feel. And that means she's close to him, and it means she knows something. And this is this means Vera is going to go and at least talk to Krista, if not something worse. And it makes me terrified for Krista. I don't want Krista to be in danger. Krista's a nice person. I don't <laughs> and given that she's already scared of Elliot, even if Elliot somehow you know saves the day and saves her after she's been held captive for a while or whatever's going to happen, I mean, I'm not like. You know, this is just going to make her more scared. Like I, 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 I'm so fearful right now for Krista. So, so fearful. Um, and I like how we're doing this in little bits as well. I like that you know there was no Dom this week. Like we, we were getting, we're getting to just like develop. You know, we this week we got some good White Rose stuff, and we got some good, uh, you know, that's good sort of Krista and Vera kind of setup. You know, last week we got some really good Dom stuff. I'm liking that it's really giving time to each of these things. You know, an episode by episode basis. Obviously, Elliot and Mister Robot. And to an extent, Darlene, we expect to see every episode, but the others can kind of rotate around uh, where need be. So, yeah, really, uh, really chilling stuff this scene, just because it makes me really scared for Krista. So, uh, not looking forward to that. Uh, and of course, the way he pulls out the gun, because and again, it does that thing where it lets us see the gun early in the scene, so it's good for suspense. Where you know he's taking off the apron and he's putting on his jacket, and when he, and he turns around and you see the gun in the back of his his pants. And of course, afterwards, he he just pulls it out and shoots the guy, uh, and t- says it needs to be more detail oriented. This little kid can see something and you can't, uh, kind of thing. So uh, Vera's an interesting character. He's very uh, entertaining to watch because he's so captivating and char- charismatic in a very evil way. But uh, it's nice to kind of have him back after he's been gone for essentially two seasons. Uh, there was a little bit of him in season two, I think, but not much. Obviously, we had the post credit scene in season three, but he was gone for the season. Like he wasn't there. So we go back to the bar, uh, and Elliot just casually drops that his mum died yesterday <laughs> when he's explaining why he has nothing to do for Christmas. And she's like, "I'm sorry," and he's like, "Sorry for what?" <laughs> this was so Elliot. That's made me, that that made me laugh. It really did. When he said "sorry for what," it really made me laugh. But again, the point of this scene is that this is someone who isn't this evil person who works for Cyprus National Bank. This is a real person who actually can relate to a lot of what Elliot has went through. Because when he says he wasn't close with his mum, she says, oh, I get that. I wasn't really close with my dad. And she goes into a little bit about her past with her dad. Not a lot here. She goes into more of it later. But it's this idea that they're starting to connect a little bit where he sees a little bit of himself in her. And he starts to feel a little bit more comfortable. He's still awkward as shit because he's Elliot. Um, and then he connects a little bit further by admitting that he's been addicted uh, to to morphine. And she cracks a joke, and we, you know, later on, obviously, and he knows that she might have an oxy problem, so, like, she doesn't freak out because she actually can sympathize, even if she doesn't admit it in this scene. Uh, that, that comes much later, but it's a very, again, it's kind of the sweet building of moment, and it very quickly makes us like her, I think. I think Olivia becomes very likable very quickly, uh, which, again, is very impressive. And I think it does it by giving someone to Elliot who is vulnerable and does relate to him in a lot of number of ways and typically when Elliot has a love interest it does not end well for them so I'm a little bit worried about Olivia and her ending but yeah so he immensely he has an addict he had an addiction problem uh, and he's been sober for however many months and obviously it comes off as a joke where he says he was pinned down and given heroin the other day but um 
one thing I want to point out though is this scene is going on and it feels like they're connecting and getting closer. Uh, these shots become very close up. The, the the shots in both of them, the reverse shots of each of their faces, become very close up, which isn't irregular for. I mean, doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean it's a romantic moment in and of itself. But what I was really noticing here was how magical it looked, uh, because we had a lot of Christmas lights in the background. There's a lot of like you know little lights uh, just all over the bar in the background around around the room, and the effect this had is that it was a very shallow depth of field. So you had this magical, almost music video-esque thing where behind each of their heads were just the, the blurry circles of light, uh, very sparkly, and it felt almost dreamlike. You know, the direction here was really selling to us that there's some sort of magic here, even if both of them are, or at least if Elliot, at least El- Elliot is too stupid, or or not, I mean, stupid is not the right word, too, too distracted with, you know, and who he is to, to recognize what this is. Um, and it's really great. Um, and then... Evan, of course, because she, she thought she was stood up. E- Evan shows up far too late. She, I mean, she was going to leave at least, what, 20 minutes ago or something more than that. And he shows up late, classic Evan, and she just says that she's not who, she, who he thinks she is. And he's convinced that she is. And there's this great awkward moment where she stands up to go and she sort of looks at Elliot as if she's saying, hey, get up and leave with me as if we're together uh and not just not just to convince evan that he's barking up the wrong tree i don't think that's the intent here i think she wants him to come with 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 her because she's not actually ready for this conversation to be over she actually uh, she has felt the connection she she wants elliot to connect with her but elliot just kind of stares at her and eventually says it was nice to meet you elliot and it's kind of like a sad moment it's like oh she wanted him to get up and leave with her and he didn't do it uh, but of course, as soon as Mr. Robot starts talking to him, says, well, that went better than I thought, he just gets up and walks out. And it's almost the romantic comedy beat. It's where he gets out of the, the bar, she's like flagging down a cab, and he turns her around, he just grabs her arm, turns her around, and kisses her. And I, notably, this was shot through the window, because it follows him up to the door, but instead of following him through the door, the camera just comes, uh, just pans to the uh, the left and looks through the window. So we see it through a window. Um, and it was almost, it was a very visual representation, of course, of Elliot. Elliot can pass this kind of threshold for himself. We're now, we're now looking from the other side, uh, because almost in a way that this is a bit more private. So we're kind of looking at as a voyeur here, as opposed to being uh, in the moment here. And, the, you know, it cuts, cuts to her apartment where they're going back and they have sex. Um, the music is playing is very upbeat. And it does feel like this is something maybe Elliot has needed to be able to connect with someone, even though I don't think we're actually even at the real connection yet. Obviously, they've felt connection here, they've physically expressed it, but it's what comes next that I think is the most beautiful stuff, where he, you know, he, he gets up and he steals her, her key, goes out of the bathroom, uh, takes a photo of the key for Darlene, and she comes into the bathroom and he kind of like covers it and says, oh, I was looking for aspirin. And he accidentally knocks over like the, the little tree of like uh, medication and stuff. And when they're picking up, and she's not, she's, she's not suspecting it, and she's just sort of like, oh, it's okay, don't worry, and they're picking things up. He picks up the bottle of Oxy, and she gets very sort of defensive, grabs it, and says, it's not what it looks like. And she, instead of, you know, going another way, she actually then, again, opens up and connects a little bit by admitting that this was a problem she did have after her mother was murdered. Uh, and again, this idea that one of her parents was, was murdered a lot like Elliot, you know, Elliot definitely sees his father as being murdered. That's been a that was a big thing back in season one when we were learning about what happened at the the Washington Township plant, and so again they're getting closer. There's more and more relatable elements here coming out, and 
uh, we find out that she keeps a razor blade in the, the bottle so that and the idea being that if she ever feels like she she wants to take that stuff again that she might as well kill herself it's almost like this this really stark reminder of like how pointless it would be to go down that path and how dangerous it would be and how much she'd be throwing her life away if she did and oliver admits that he has also you know felt that way and he's considered and he almost did it once and as soon as he said that i i remembered what he's talking about i remembered him getting all those drugs i remember him you know being with the kid and promising to go to the movies with them and he actually then said because she, she she asked why didn't you and he says i promised this kid i'd take him to see the martian and i hope he did i hope he took him to see the martian because it's, it's definitely out of theaters by christmas <laughs> i hope he did damn it uh but this was a great moment because Obviously, in that episode itself, which was one of the best episodes of season three, it was him in this really dark place, and the kid kind of brings him back. In this episode, it feels like a spiritual sequel to it in a lot of ways. So not only because we're referencing it, but because he was in a darker place throughout this episode, largely brought on by the death of Angela and everything that happened at the end of season three. And Olivia, in this case, is the one who brings him back. She's the one who kind of shows that he can connect to people again, and that some people are worth fighting for. Uh, it gives him this human connection back again and you know this is definitely Elliot this is not the third personality for sure this is Elliot and it's a very sweet moment I think the scene and again the, the, the way it's shot the lighting here it's a very sort of warm orange glow from the outside streetlights it looks very pretty it's very warm and comforting and you know she, she says yeah there's plenty of more darkness and stuff where that came from but i think that's enough for one night and instead of running from instead of getting weirded out by the story he's just told she puts her head on his shoulder and it's a very sweet moment in this orange glow it's very beautiful and that i think mr robot like and i said this last week is that when it tugs at the heartstrings it does it very well despite the fact that a lot of the show is a lot more sort of uh tense and thriller-esque and you know all these things and obviously we get to that in a minute as well uh but no i love this stuff with olivia and it really hit, it really hit a sweet spot i think uh, and we're really building our cast of characters here for this final season and developing what's you know what elliot what makes elliot tick has been a big thing throughout the whole show and it's a testament to the the writing and the skill of this show that even four seasons in you know we're in season four and it's still compelling it's still compelling watching on watching us unravel how he works and what affects him in different facets of his personality is is wonderful so no i i applaud this olivia stuff uh i thought it was fantastic so and i can't wait to see her again although i'm worried that she's going to end up dead because that's what happens in this uh show when you care about people so and mr robot even though you know notes this in his narration he's like hey uh, she let him feel again but they're going back to the house. They realize they're being followed by the white van. Uh, well, because we're going back to all safe rather. But they decide to go back to the house as if they're not up to anything uh, in case the dark army are suspecting things. Because again, why would White Rose be following them now? All of a sudden, she might suspect something. And when they get into the the, the apartment, uh, they see it's been broken into, and Mister Robert's like, "Oh, we can't go in there. Like it's too dangerous." And Elliot's like, "Yeah, but they're outside too. May as well face it head on as if there's nothing to hide." And he goes in, and it's actually Tyrell. Tyrell's waiting for him. And Tyrell's like, oh, I've been made CEO. White Rose, uh, pick me herself. And Elliot goes to shut him up, like puts his hand over his mouth, tells him to stop talking. And Tyrell just has to finish his sentence. He says, no, 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 we can take her down, finally. And he writes down a bit of paper. They're listening. And of course, Tyrell immediately shuts up. And he's like, huh? And then, you know, Elliot's just looking out the window, looking through the blinds outside. 
and the camera just comes down to the the van and we just see the guy in the van looking at a computer screen and it cuts the credits so it's this thing like did they hear that did they hear that tyrell's planning on taking the you know white rose and the dark army down with elliot or not so it ends in a really good bit of tension um but now this episode was fantastic and you know i i don't think we can escape the idea that we see the motivation partially at least for white rose in these flashbacks with this relationship and then see elliot form a new relationship in the same episode uh, and given the way that white rose's relationship ended it makes me very very concerned about where the olivia story is going and um, although arguably you could all, you could say that uh the comparison should be with him and Angela, and Angela's already met her end, and maybe Olivia can be the example that gets out alive, that can have the happier, uh, you know, thing. That you know, like this is if Elliot does somehow succeed, even though, like, the thought of this show having, like, a perfectly happy ending where Elliot survives and gets to have a happy life after this feels so unfathomable to me. But I would root for her if it did. I would care. I would pop. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll give him his happy ending. But. Now this is this is this is a phenomenal episode. I think this season is firing all cylinders. I know some people don't like the slow pacing of the story, but to you, I say tough. Uh, this show is for me and me alone. I don't care what anyone else thinks at this point. <laughs> I kid, um, but yeah. Uh, so goody goody goody. So let me know what you think in the comments uh, below about this episode. Uh, you can also rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. It helps more people find us via recommendations and that kind of thing. You can support the podcast and everything we do at TV over at patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as one dollar per month and you get bonuses, you get outtakes, you get some extra episodes of some of the movie podcasts and things like that uh, and you get other stuff at the higher tiers so go and have a look at that and see if you want to do that uh, but otherwise that is me um, do check out uh, the review that me and Tara did of Watchmen that just started on HBO uh, we'll be doing that weekly as well obviously Connor's back for Mr. Robot next week and yeah so thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching TV guys have you got any vanilla <laughs>